Wonderful. Take your Bibles open to Nehemiah chapter 2. I appreciate the worship this morning. There's enough just in our first few minutes of our service this morning that offers all of us the hope for whatever need you may have. And uh, uh, just in the, uh, the songs, the worship, uh, the tune, the, uh, the scripture that Rick shared with us a while ago, wonderful hope. This is a season of hope. And what joy. And the promise of him coming and being with us as Emmanuel and dwelling with us and uh, unto us. And the Lord Jesus was given to us. And we're going to rejoice in that this month of December as we come up to the Christmas time. We're on a journey in the book of Nehemiah. I'm going to finish this up next week. I thought maybe today, but I just want to go a little slower and just spend a little time in chapter number three and four with you this morning for a few minutes. And I hope it'll be a help to us. Everything we've been talking about in the book of Nehemiah brings us uh, uh, to an introduction about something that had been uh, in God's design, glorious. Uh, This nation of Israel was a blessed nation, chosen of the Lord. They were his people. And uh, throughout the story of the Old Testament, we began to see uh, the troubles they were facing, the, the wrong decisions they were making, many of them. And we saw the judgment hand of God in many of the books earlier before you come to Nehemiah. Well, uh, it's time to go back to Jerusalem after being in captivity and to restore some broken walls that were torn down. And this is the story, the journey we're on here in the book of Nehemiah. Go to chapter 2 and verse number 17 with me for a few minutes, if you will. Then I said to them, you see the distress that we are in, how Jerusalem lies waste and its gates are burned with fire. Come, let us build the wall of Jerusalem that we may no longer be a reproach. And I told them of the hand of my God, which had been good upon me, and also the king's words that he had spoken to me. So they said, let us rise up and build. Then they set their hands to do this good work. Opposition came when Sinbalat, the Hornite, Tobiah the Ammonite official, and Geshem the Arab heard of it, they laughed at us and despised us and said, What is this thing that you are doing? Will you rebel against the king? So I answered them and said to them, The God of heaven himself will prosper us. Therefore we his servants will rise and build, but you have no heritage or right or memorial in Jerusalem." A few weeks ago, we started this series by reminding you that there's hope for every person. Uh, There's hope for every marriage, every relationship. There's hope for every church that is in need, regardless of whatever condition they may be in. And as we reviewed uh, from time before, we began looking in this story about uh, the distress from chapter 1, verse number 3 that Nehemiah faced. And he noticed the walls uh, had been broken down. He noticed that the city had been in reproach. He actually described Jerusalem as being in great distress. When he heard these words, it brought him to a time of crying and weeping and confessing, found in chapter 1, verse 4, through the rest of the chapter there. And after that, it brought us to uh, what he was going to do in chapter number 2, the first few verses of chapter 2. He begins his journey back toward Jerusalem. And before he actually leaves from the king's palace, he seeks some connections from the outside to help him in this journey. He started with a king, and he mentioned something to the queen. Uh, he needed something to refer back to the governors of all the lands. He was going to pass through 800 miles his journey back over to Jerusalem. 
he needed uh, the blessing of the king as he uh, went into the uh, uh, into the forest to gather wood and materials for the rebuilding of the walls back in Jerusalem as well. And so he began putting together some connections from the outside to help him in this vision that God had put in his heart to go back and encourage the people. When you come to chapter 3, you begin seeing him having some consensus with the people inside now that he's arrived in Jerusalem. He meets with the officials and, and the leaders and the priests and the Levites and uh, and the scripture says the Jews and others that were there as well. He has a conversation with them. He begins organizing them in chapter number three and getting their consensus about what can be done. So he gets a few people along with him as he's riding his horse through the town and he's, he's taking good notes as he's viewing the walls. He's scoping very carefully the condition that Israel is in and, and Jerusalem is in and desires something to do that. Before he knows what to do as he's already prayed, and as he begins to view the wall, the Lord puts in his heart and tells him what he should do. I think that's important. Sometimes we get ahead of God putting our own plans together about what we should do. But he took a season of time in investigating and, and doing some assessment and doing some uh, spec, uh, 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 looking evaluations and uh, looking at the real condition. And he seeks the Lord, and the Lord puts it in his heart what he is to do. So the people are gathered together, and they're on this journey to ready to build this wall. So after he had the burden himself in chapter number one, he carries the burden to the people in chapter number two. They understand this burden. They see the distress. They see the many years. There were people still dwelling in Jerusalem, have you, if you're not, not sure. Matter of fact, 15 years before this time, Ezra had already taken the people there and began to open up God's Word and began to encourage the people a bit. But it's a place that had been abandoned by many of the folks because of the, the lack of protection and fortitude in the city and the reputation. It, now the city was a place of reproach. And so God uses a layman, a cupbearer to a king to come alongside and rally the people on the inside and encourage them to let them know it's very good and possible that God can, we've got the hope that we can rebuild this place and return it and restore it back to the purpose God designed it to be back in the impending days. And so as we go through this story, I want you to think about something in your personal life in chapter number three and four as we come to it. What is it in your life that's broken down? What is it that is distressful about your journey in life? What is it that may even be a reproach? Maybe in a relationship or maybe a venture or maybe something your, your whole life is all about. Maybe in the struggles of the Christian journey that you're having, you're lacking that peace and power in your life to accomplish God's glory in your life. And then we can also make it uh, very applicable even to the church. Just like Israel, the Old Testament, uh, going through times of correction and, uh, and judgment and needing God's mighty hand to be poured upon them to get them back in alignment. If we come to the New Testament, we see numbers of scriptures in Paul's writing where he does the same thing, especially in 1 Corinthians, where he brings the people from where they've wayward and they've gone astray and they violated his word and brings them back to a place God wants them to be. And so Nehemiah sees this about Israel and Jerusalem. And he's rallying the people to rise up and build. Let's get this place back the way God wants it. Let's let this place have purpose once again. Let's let the lights brighten one more time again for his glory. Let's put the system back in place that's been torn down. 
let's, let's encourage ourselves and rise up and build this place. And so now the people are listening and they're tuning in. And he begins to give them the instructions when you come to chapter 3. And what I want to give to you this morning is how to conquest the revival that you need. The conquest for revitalization. This will apply to, to numbers of things. And more personal to, to our church here within the walls of Salem Baptist. What is it that needs that attention? That will cause us to have a, 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 not only the desire, but to, to put in place a conquest, a journey to get back to what God wants, to see that his glory is first, to see that the mission of the gospel is being performed, that the church is being what God has designed her to be in a community. And so they begin thinking about this process that's needed. We've got to do some things in order to rebuild this wall, to remove the reproach, to lay down the distresses and get this thing done. And if you read a couple of chapters, over and we'll come to end in just a few minutes. They actually got her done. They went through it. But I want you to see what they had to do. Notice the conquest for revitalization. In chapter 2, verse number 20, where we read a while ago, they said, the God of heaven himself will prosper us. Therefore, we, his servants, will arise and build. And before you come to the end of their building in 52 days in Nehemiah chapter 6, verse 15, I want to walk you through for a couple places in the, in the next couple chapters as to actually what they were facing. Notice what they did in chapter 3 and verse number 1. They replaced some things in order to get this place back to where God wanted to be. They replaced some things. Look in chapter 3, verse number 1. Then Elishab, the high priest, rose up with his brethren, the priest, and built the sheep gate. They consecrated it and hung its doors. They built as far as the tower of the hundred and consecrated it, then as far as the tower of Hananel. They began to replace things that could not be replaced. Uh, they weren't repairing them. They were replacing them. Now, there's numbers of things when you go to the next couple of chapters, you can apply this to. There were, there were, there's a word in the King James Bible calls it rubbish. And uh, it's just a, just a pile of heap, a heap pile is what it is, of, of stones that were burned and gates that were burned, no longer needed. So these things were not on the repair list. These things were on the replace list. And there's a difference. And I will come to repair in just a moment. But one of the things that they needed to do to get back in shape, to get back to what God designed it to be, to be able to fulfill what God's order was for Jerusalem, just like it was before, and to restore to that place. In the process, they had to replace some things that was no longer needed for the days that are ahead. Parentheses. What about you? Are there things in your life that need to be replaced? no longer needed. Man, they're broken down. It's a heap pile. It's a weight. It's a barrier. It's a junk pile. It's, it's not any good for your journey ahead. You can identify those things. Now, they're removed, and then they're replaced. 
And there's things sometimes in my relationship. Sometimes it's in, 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 in working with others. Sometimes you find it inside the church house. You may find it in your ministries sometimes. Some of you ministry leaders, as you're leading a certain ministry in the church, and you begin thinking about the future and how we can get better and stronger for God's glory and how we can add some things and improve and, 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 and really build some fruit in this ministry. You begin thinking, you know, there may be some things about what is in our system or our structure or, or maybe a tangible thing that, that needs to be removed in order so something better in its place can be put there. So they replaced some things that were there, some gates uh, that were mentioned in chapter 1. Also down in verse number 3, some other gates that were mentioned there. Then number 2, they repaired some things. And look at it, if you will, in verse number 4. And about every verse, I'm not sure, but I think in every verse, from chapter 3 in verse number 4, all the way down to the end of the chapter, you'll find the word repair in every verse. Repaired, repair, 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 repair. And so we repaired, we repaired, we repaired, we repaired. And I want to tell you something. If you're in distress, and if you're broken down, and you're reproached, you've got to do some repair work. Now, this isn't something that you're going to throw away. You're going to take something that's existing that needs some repair. Don't get rid of it. Don't move it. It's needed in the journey. God put it there. That's your assignment. Don't, don't count it as, don't change God's plan and alter what God has put in place. But notice the things that God has put in place that all he is asking of you is do better with it. Get on with it. Man, why are you letting this thing just go to waste? If God has given it to you, use it. And if it's broken, fix it. Repair it. Whatever it needs, put it on steroids. Get it strengthened. I've given you this. Listen, work out the salvation I put inside of you to get it done. And so all the way through chapter number four, they're repairing, repairing, and repairing, and repairing, and repairing. Why wouldn't they have to repair when the walls had been destroyed? And they'd walk through this wall, these ruined places of the city. And began seeing things that can be repaired along the wall. Not everything was totally destroyed as we sometimes imagine. As a matter of fact, it wasn't Jerusalem itself that had been abandoned and destroyed and, and wiped up uh, and gone and just all rubble. It, 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 there was some repair that was needed. There were some good things that looked there that we had to create a replacement list, but also greater than what we had to replace was a whole lot more we can just repair, 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 repair. As sometimes in a transition and thinking about revitalization, some people think we're going to throw away everything and just start over and push a reset button and bring everything in there. That's not the case. I'm not sure that's what God's looking for. God's not really public that in your journey as a Christian either. It's just some things that need some real attention. When you come to the New Testament, you begin seeing things in our lives that need cleansing. It's something about our mind that needs to be renewed. And on and on we see in the Scriptures things about what I've given to you, not to be removed, but to be repaired. And so if ever a church is going to experience a revival They've got to do some repair work inside the church. Did you hear me? If a church is ever going to experience a revival, there has to be someone among the congregation that gets it 
and says, what we need on this journey to be revived and have God's Spirit, the filling of the Spirit, is to set things in order. Things that are out of order, things that are conflicting, things that, that, that the Spirit's not moving upon. There's something about the members, the people that seek that revival, and it calls for repair. Notice it was in our text a while ago, in verse number 20, when we read in chapter number 2, the God of heaven's going to prosper you. That's the promise. Isn't that good? God's going to prosper you. But then he said, it's you that need to rise up and build toward this prosperity. You need to rise up. We will arise and build. You know, God has graced me. He has saved me. He has called me. I absolutely had to do not one thing to be called to salvation. And aren't you glad about that? Can I get an amen? Aren't you glad? You, you didn't have to do one thing to be called to salvation. Can I get an amen? Amen. You did nothing to get saved. You didn't work it up. You didn't think it up. You didn't design it. There is no effort of your own to put you in God's family. But once you're positioned, there are some things you are supposed to do. There is a call of service. You don't serve to get saved. You serve after you've been saved. There are responsibilities that are given to you and me. There's things that God has placed within us. He holds us responsible. He's given us talents and gifts. And you will be judged according to the gifts and talents to God one day at the, at the judgment seat of Christ as to how well you did with the things he gave to you. It's important that we maintain what God has called us to be and called us to do. So sometimes it's just simply a repair mode. A repair mode. Now notice, they noticed that a few days earlier when they were on the horses viewing the walls. They noticed their condition. I can see them walk along the side streets there in Jerusalem and say, boy, whoa, somebody got to do something about this. <laughs> boy, we got a lot of work to do. Man, th- man we, can, we need to fix it. They started, and they began assessing the real condition, and they noticed the repair that was there. So they repaired some things before God allowed them to be restored to the place he wanted them to be. So number three, look in verse Number one of chapter four, they rebuilt. So they're replacing, they're repairing, and in essence, they are rebuilding. Chapter four, verse number one. It's mentioned several times in the, in the text here and also the completion of it in chapter number six. And so they, they began to, to work and move towards this rebuilding, and they're rebuilding this wall that is there. Uh, we were re- rebuilding this wall. And again, the opposition came, you see, in that text there. Then something else that happens, if you look down to verse number 7, it actually comes to a place of restoration. Look in verse number 6. So we built the wall, chapter 4, and the entire wall was joined together up to half its height, for the people had a mind to work. Now it happened when Sanballat, Tobiah, the Arabs, the Ammonites, and the Ashdodites heard that the walls of Jerusalem were being restored and the gaps were being, uh, beginning to be closed, that they became very angry. They're getting closer to restoring this place. Matter of fact, this text says, this verse says, they're halfway done. They're getting there. 
they started doing some, they did their assessment in chapter number two, their evaluation, took all their notes, they gave their assignments out. They had a lot of people to work with them. A lot of members were there, a lot of others were there, Jews were there. And uh, one place they taught the 150 here and others there. They began getting their assignments when you go through this next chapter, three and four, especially chapter number five. And you see them, uh, some are cooking for the food for the soldiers and some are just garrisoned here. And uh, some of them are, are just got swords. Some got swords and trowels and they're all organized. But what are they doing? They're, they're, they're repairing, they're replacing, they're rebuilding and getting this thing restored. Matter of fact, the opposition began noticing their journey. Looks like they're closing the gaps. <laughs> Man, it was wide open just a few days ago. Man, you could just walk right into Jerusalem. But now it's getting where you, you, you know, they're closing the gap. They're closing the gap. And it was noticed in verse number seven. The wall looks like it's being, being restored. You know, there's where you really begin to see the hope there. <laughs> you, you know, when you're halfway through the journey, I tell people I'm in my fourth quarter of life. I feel like I've entered the fourth quarter. And the game's not over. I've got a ways to go. But you know what? I've got a lot of hope. I mean, I've come a long way. I, see, I've done a lot of repairing in my life and a lot of replacing, and, and uh, I've, I've done a lot of rebuilding, and, and, and things are beginning to be restored, and I see that in journey. Matter of fact, when I read my Bible, it understands the end of my journey uh, comes to a place where I'm perfected, and I'm completed, and I'm all that He designed me to be in creation, all solely His, just like Jesus, and to be with Him forever. And He'll do that work. He that began a good work in me is going to perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. He's restoring me. I'm not fully restored yet, but you're looking at a guy that's about halfway done. He's restoring me. Some of the gaps are closing, you see. I'm allowing the mind of Christ to be my, let this mind be you, which is also in Christ Jesus. Boy, that's the prayer I want. Lord, let me have the mind of Christ. And, and, and he talks about that, 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 that those who have been justified in Romans chapter 5 have peace with God. Lord, that's what I want. I want that peace with God. In a right standing, I go through Romans chapter 5, and I see all the qualities, and I can see, I'm getting there, and we're getting it done. God's doing it in me and through me, and he's lying my soul and my spirit. And one day, blessed be the Lord, though the body be destroyed, someday it'll be a fully restored new body, will it not, you see? On that journey, going into some restoration. And so, you see the replacement and the repairing and the rebuilding, and now we begin to see the finished wall, the, the, the hope of a wall being finished. So they kept on working. They restored. And then they had to remove some things. Look in chapter 4 and verse number 10. Uh, notice what they had said to, uh, uh, they said that uh, in, in chapter 10, Judah said, the strength of the laborers is failing and there is so much rubbish that we're not able to build the wall. And uh, it's also referenced in a previous verse, the word rubbish, where the sand about them noticed all the rubbish. Look at them people working around all the junk that's in their way, all the rubbish that is there. Now, this is the stone walls that have been burned. They were supposing the enemies thought they were going to reuse those, and actually they were not. They were going to remove them out of the way. There's a lot of stuff in the past that, that had to be no more. Not this way, no more. It, it's had its time. It's had its ruin. Just let it lay waste. Don't try to resurrect something that's dead, not needed for the future. And somewhere along the line, you might hear some of that in our transition <laughs> the days ahead. There might be something that someone trying to resurrect. It's already died. No use and no value. And really, it's just a bunch of rubbish in our way. 
And there are some times in the journey of restoration, God brings us to a place where not everything that we've touched and handled and thought and smelled and had in our heart is going to be resurrected. Some things are left behind. But, you know, when I got saved, it was that way, was it not? Old things, what they do? They passed away. And all things became new in the process of my revival or my restoration, you see. So they removed some things. I want to ask you a question. There's got to be somebody in this auditorium this morning who's got something going on in your life. You need to get rid of it. You're hanging on to it. It might be a relationship. It might be a dream you have. You waste your time holding you back. You'll never be what God wants you to be if you don't discover there's got to be some things in your life that are just no good in your future anymore. And wise is the servant of God who listens to the Spirit to go deep in his heart and talk to him about those things in your life that are no good for the journey ahead. All of us have those things. Hope you can say that this morning. Hope that's your testimony. Maybe you've even got a list of things that were back yonder, and you knew that you left them there because God didn't want you to use them in the days ahead. So notice they're not only repairing and not only replacing and not only are they rebuilding and restoring, they are removing things that are in the way to the journey God wants them to complete. Then number six, look in chapter four, verse 13. They repositioned some things. They repositioned some people to the best fitted places in this process. There is a reason for that. I don't know the whole reason about it, but look at it if you will, chapter four, verse 13. Therefore positioned men behind the lower parts of the wall. Now that tells me they were standing somewhere else before. At the openings, I set the people according to their families with their swords, their spears, and their bows. I don't know how the families were set before, but now he's positioning them in a different place where they were standing before. And uh, he's moving some things around in this position. And I looked and I rose, verse 14, and said to the nobles, to the leaders, and to the rest of the people, do not be afraid of them. Remember the Lord, great and awesome, and fight for your brethren. They hadn't had to fight for you. Gotta, you he's repositioned. Now you're a fighter. Fight for your brethren, your sons, your daughters, your wives, and your houses. Can I say something to you? In this repositioning, it was done for a vital reason. Because this journey they were on, the conquest God wanted them to do, there was a great opposition inside this city. We've got three names that are given to us. And every person in this city, these three, all had influence among others. And matter of fact, Nehemiah was wise enough to say, don't just bring your trowel, bring your sword too, because we're going to do some fighting. There's some people who don't want this life changed. There's some people who don't want this relationship change. There's some people that don't want this wall rebuilt. There's some people that do not want this church to go through revitalization and make changes. And sometimes somebody's got to stand up. You just keep on building and fight if you have to. And you fight for God. You fight for the right. You fight for the call. You fight for the mission. You fight for the word. And so they position themselves in places they weren't standing before. And sometimes when revival takes place, God will move his people to different positions. And you can fill in that gap by your own Bible study concerning that. 
Then number seven, look in chapter four, verse number 21. They repelled in this work. Chapter four, verse 21. So we labored in the work. See the repelling? Half of the men held the spears from the daybreak until the stars appeared. And at the same time, I also said to the people, let each man and his servants stay at night in Jerusalem, that they may be on guard by night and a working party by day. So neither I, my brethren, my servants, nor the men of the guard who followed me took off our clothes, except that everyone took them off just to take in a bath and have a washing. Man, we were working day and night. And sometimes that's exactly what's needed. It's not only replacing things and repairing things. It's not only rebuilding things and restoring things and removing things and repositioning people. Sometimes it's just that continual repelling of work. There's just no break to it. You just keep working and keep working and keep working until the light breaks through. You keep moving and shaking and stay diligent and steadfast, and unmovable, always abounding, 1 Corinthians 15, 58. In the work of the Lord, your labor's not in vain. Oh, you can take a bath if you need one every now and then, but you just keep your clothes on and you go to work. Be diligent. And so they repelled, they worked hard in this journey. And then lastly, and this is the best part, they recognized who helped them to be revived and revitalized. Go to chapter 6. We're going to skip over chapter 5, but go to chapter 6. And the first part of chapter 6, we'll miss over. Go to verse number 15. So after they replaced and repaired and rebuilt and restored some things, they removed some things, they repositioned some things and repelled to finish the good work, verse 15 of chapter 6 plays out. So the wall was finished. Can I get an amen right there? The wall got done. The work was over. In the 25th day of Edel, in 52 days, and it happened when all our enemies heard the wall was finished. See, there were no gaps at this point. There were in chapter 4, but they done filled all them gaps up. And now Jerusalem's completely surrounded by a wall with new gates and entrance that had its protection and all the nations around us saw these things that they were very disheartened in their own eyes. For they perceived that this work was done by our God. If you ever come to place a revival in your, in your personal journey and experience revival, you can only give one person the credit for it and all the glory. God did it. Yeah, I worked, and I replaced, and I rebuilt, and I repositioned, and I had my sword, and I done all these things. You didn't cause no revival. God did. Matter of fact, remember, he said in chapter 2, verse 20, it's God that will prosper us. And when all the people perceived that this work was done, even the obstacles and the opposition side noticed, man, they must have had the hand of God upon them to get this job done they only did it 52 days. This thing's been down for 150 years. Why didn't they think about this before? And now they're back to a place of design that God could really do something. 
They came to a place of completing the journey. The transition was over. Nehemiah was ready in just a few days to head back to the palace of the king. His job was about to be at the end here. But that's not the end of the story. There's about eight more chapters in this book. And I want you to come next Sunday morning and hear about what happened at the end of this lesson where it's the continuance of a city in its fulfillment what God designed. Place me Jerusalem, Jerusalem, Jerusalem. And yet not only we see it happening in this day in 450 years before Christ, it gives us the hope of what God is going to say about Jerusalem in the future days yet, yet lie ahead of us. It's part of the millennium reign of Christ and, and from that the new Jerusalem being built. But there's something about this story, about something that was so broken down, so hopeless, no one had any desire to want to do anything about it, that God rose up a person to encourage the people to come alongside. God can do this through us and with that hope the scriptures, they rose up and built and completed the wall in 52 days. Let's bow our heads in prayer. Father, I thank you for this story. So many applications here for us. Your word is eternal. 2 Timothy 3.16, all scriptures given by inspiration of God is profitable. Thank you for the prophet in the book of Nehemiah for our personal life. There's profit for the church this morning in this story. I pray that it can be realized. Lord, bring us to a place of revival. Bring us to a place of full restoration. Bring us to the place of our best and to use the giftedness and the abilities. And Lord, allow us to fulfill the mission of who we're called to be, to fulfill that purpose as to why we exist. And I pray that'll be the hope that we can do it. We can rise up and do the work God's called us to do. Even though it calls for removing some things and replacing and repairing and working hard, we know there come a place of completion where all the glory of honor can be given to Jesus for the work he's wanting to do within us. In whose name we pray, the Lord Jesus. Amen.